The year was 1177 BC, the eighth year of Ramses III's reign. A group of people set up camp in Canaan and would use it as a launch point for their attacks. Coming in from the land and the sea, they had no uniform, each group wearing a different form of headdress, from feathered ones to skull caps. Some wore beards and kilts, others wore more elaborate garments. Armed with everything from bronze swords to wooden spears, bows and arrows, they came on boats, wagons, sometimes alone, other times with their family. According to Ramsey's inscription, no country was able to fend off this mass warring people. Resistance was futile. The Hittites, Mycenaeans, the Canaanites fell one by one. If you survived, you fled the carnage. Others tried to pick up what remained from the ruined cities. Others just joined the invaders. The five confederations made up what historians would call the Sea People, a shadowy group. They left no inscription besides what the Egyptians left us. The only one that has been firmly identified through time was the Palisat, the Philistines. On 1177 BCE, as we mentioned, the Egyptians fought the Sea Peoples. This was their second battle, the first one taking place in 1207 BC. The Egyptians were victorious in both, but there would be no third battle, and Ramses would boast about it for the history books. But despite the victory, Egypt would not come out powerful from this. If anything, their power would diminish, and it would take about another 200 years for Egypt to rise to any sort of prominence. Outside of Egypt, all the other powers that made up the Bronze Age would also disappear, if not immediately, then within the next 50 to 100 years. This was the end of a civilization. But could the sea people be attributed to the destruction of the Bronze Age? And if they were, who are these group of people? Were they some sort of ancient crusades, disciplined with a goal in mind, or were they just a group of loosely assembled marauders, Vikings of the ancient world. Perhaps they were just refugees seeking a new land. Perhaps it was a combination of all of the above. On today's episode on the conversation before the world ends, we'll be looking at the collapse of the late Bronze Age and the perfect storm that brewed in 1177 BCE, the year the civilization came to an end. Hello guys and welcome to today's episode, The Conversation Before the World Ends. I'm your host, Kareem. And I'm Eamon. And welcome back, guys. So on today's episode, Aim, we'll be going, I guess it will be our first time venturing to the ancient world. And we'll be going to the BC era of the civilization. Damn, damn. Yeah. So BC isn't before Christ, right? No, I think, um, well, there's a term for it, but it completely slips my mind now. Anyways, what do you know about... Before Common Era. Yeah. Before Common Era. BCE. Okay. It's interesting, though. So, is Christ, the com- is Christ common? <laughs> All right. Let's go for it. Let's go back to where we were. We pretty much covered most periods of history to this point. Well, like, glossed over certain parts, but I don't think we've covered an ancient topic. Or an ancient civilization. Nope. So I thought instead of covering one ancient civilization, why don't we talk about an ancient era and one of the biggest mysteries of all time? How did the Bronze Era collapse? Now the question is, um, what do you know about the Bronze Era, Aim? Well, I know the Bronze Era, well, with every era, it depends on the tool they use, right? So that's mm-hmm. when they started using 
bronze, bronze as the main tool for uh, not just weaponry, but just the tooling system in general. Yeah, so it was uh, like with every era or age, it's all dependent on the tools that were used, whether it's the stone age. What was the most prominent? Uh, yeah, metal or material, yeah. material used, yeah. So that was the bronze era. And then it ended around the time you just mentioned. So if you could, um, what do you know about, before we go there, what do you know about the sea people? You're talking about the Atlant- Atlantis? Well, there are rumors they could be from Atlantis. Or uh, no more. <laughs> just saw Black Panther. No, not much. I know that there's Atlantis, of course, in Mediterranean city sunken. But is that what you refer to as sea people, or is that? I think Atlantis has been in throughout history. No one can pinpoint the exact era, or or didn't they say it was during the Bronze Era? I'm not sure. Well, no, Atlantis. Well, first of all, if you believe in Atlantis, then no, if there were sea, sea people, people, then it, then the first thing that came to my mind was Atlantis. Atlantis. Like they came from an ancient distant civilization that no longer exists type of atlantis yeah yeah there was that's my thought of sea people i know nothing else about sea people so you're just taking it based on what you heard from the name yes okay well the name of the sea people did not originate until historians brought it up and this is like we're talking thousands of years later what the sea people are they were a group of marauders if you will that just went around pillaging one civilization after the next after the next after the next no one knows their origins. No one knows where they disappeared to. It's one of those um, mysteries of the world. Historians conveniently blame them for the collapse of the Bronze Age. That okay. these group of mysterious people just came, caused devastation, and just bounced. And is it the sea people because they're nomads? Because, because they used to attack from coastlines. Okay. Is it even a one, one nation or one group of people or whatever, one civilization? That's even up to debate. Or it could be just a series of coastal battles, and they've just said it's sea people. Yeah, so this is what I want to tackle today's topic, because again, this would be kind of interesting in dealing with how we perceive an end of an era or an end of civilization, and finding the convenient scapegoat to put the blame on. So today we'll be talking about the collapse of the Bronze Age, and we'll be talking about whether or not it was due to the mysterious sea people, or was it a bunch of little things that over time accumulated to the collapse of a whole system. True. Do you want to say something? No, I feel like I already have my opinion on it, but let's hear it and then come back to it. (laughs) All right, okay. So let's start. And to start, we need to talk about the origins of the Bronze Age. Sure. We're going to gloss over it. So part one, the Bronze Age, the dawn of a new world. So the Bronze Age started about 3000 BCE. For a common era. (laughs) In the Near East. Okay, in what today would be modern-day Afghanistan to modern-day Italy, that area of the world. And all, and it would go north up to Turkey and south down to Egypt slash Nubia. So very central world. It would be, yeah, it would be what you consider the near east of the Mediterranean. So it would be around the Mediterranean region. Like North Africa, Middle East kind of... Yeah, yeah. And this was around the time, like we're talking Bronze Age, 3000 BCE. We're talking around the time where Ramses II was alive, King Tutankhamun was alive. The Trojan War took place during that period of time. And also the Bronze Age, of course, like you said, was marked by man's first use of metal. Mm-hmm. The first metal to ever be used was bronze. Yeah. Bronze would soon replace stone, and it was reported that it was the ancient Sumerians, modern-day Iraq, that might have been the first people to enter the Bronze Age, mm-hmm. which is made by smelting 
copper with tin. So you take 90% copper, mix it in with 10% tin, you get bronze. Uh, if you're curious to know, right? Soon this metal will be used in all facets of production. So from farming to all the way to swords. Of course, during the bronze age, we see other developments being or other inventions emerging, uh, such as the writing system, the potter's wheel, Mm -hmm. We also begin to see the emergence of form of centralized societies with governments, law codes, city-states, religions, and laying the foundations for astronomy, astrology, and so on. And this was all uh, in parallel with what was going on with the tools? Yeah. Okay. You can see this is a pretty pivotal moment in human it's history. There's a lot in our history books, yeah, this era. For you to make bronze, you're going to need copper and tin, right? Mm -hmm. Now, tin was considered the most sought after material during that time it was not commonly found as copper that's why it's 90 percent copper 10 percent. if you want to like consider it in modern day um consider 10 as oil it's essential to continue to prosper and it's very sought after so only certain few locations had it okay. and other all the other kingdoms needed it so it was the currency of technology pretty much exactly for that era uh tin was concentrated in only one area of the world during that period and that would be and what today would be Afghanistan. Trade routes were established to bring tin from Afghanistan all the way to the Mediterranean. Trade routes from the Menonian Kingdom, which is modern-day Crete, all the way to Afghanistan. So you had an established trade network, right? Mm -hmm. And these kingdoms would be connected to one another through trade. Uh, and we have artifacts from the Indus Valley civilization in Mesopotamia and in Egypt to show that all there were trade links between all these different civilizations. So you'd find pottery, clay artifacts from these different locations in different civilizations. I think especially with those civilizations, it was the way historians can gather their stories and their artwork. Exactly. Especially with the pottery. And all of them traded with one yes. another. There was no civilization that did not trade with the other. So for example, you had uh, luxury goods such as spices and gems, oils, wine coming from like places in Greece, Turkey, Egypt, Sumer or Samaria. And each one going through these different interconnected trade links. It was like globalization almost at the time. Exactly, yes. So each kingdom pretty much was flourishing behind these, tra these trades. These trades. Mm. And this was also where we see that trade was being established through river systems. So the river would be a good fifth system to establish trade systems. For example, have the Nile would become a very important trading uh, Tigris River and the Euphrates in Iraq which of course led to cities being propped up along these rivers to benefit from these trade links. Because they're so central as well, right? Yeah. Like to everything, to the east and the west. Well, there wasn't much of a west then, but... The, as far west as you could go, is, I think you want to put maybe Italy? Probably, but either way, in order to connect from the east to as far as west, those were the essential places. Exactly. To use an example, and I'm going to be using from Eric Klein's book, 1177 BCE, the year civilization collapsed, which is pretty much the bulk of this research came from that. So I recommend this book. Uh, it's, it's a short read and it's very well um, written. It's not tedious. So the, the story goes that uh, a pair of sandals was made from leather and they were sent to Hammurabi from Crete, uh, the Menonians, sorry. And he, he returned it back to them and he wrote a letter about how he cannot accept this gift. Now, no one really knows why he didn't want it. They didn't, he didn't specify in the letter? No, he, uh, people just think maybe it was too small for him or something. Uh, but it just shows you the extent of the communication between two empires. When you have people in Crete sending leather sandals to people back. in Iraq, and it could go back to them. Mm -hmm. So like we said, a very globalized network that was solidified more so by, by intermarriage. This is where we see intermarriage between civilizations. Mm -hmm. We also see 
the beginning of peace treaties, if you will. The first ever peace treaty was signed during that time. If, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's, I think it was the Hittites and the Egyptians who signed the world's first ever peace treaty. Okay. And of course, you'll also have emissaries and embassies being established in these countries, right? All civilization thing. You, like if you think about civilization playing the Bronze Age. Yeah, civilization of the game. Yeah. Oh, we also have evidence as well. Like historians have shown evidence that, for example... In Egypt, the palaces was painted by painters from Crete. So they would bring painters from abroad to decorate their palaces. So they're sharing each other's talents. Exactly. Well, and there's also, um, kings would also request physicians from other locations to come and uh, uh, treat the people in their society. Musicians would come from other kingdoms to play their music and vice versa. One famous example of like this interconnection was the king Ugarit. So the king of Ugarit, King Amurapi, was married to a, Hitt- to a Hittite woman and they would eventually divorce. And there's stories of how the divorce proceedings lasted years through court systems to see who would get what from this divorce settlement. So just to show you how like, complex it was, yeah. like a Hittite woman and a person from Ugarit, which is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, North Syria. I'm sure the Bronze Era has helped transportation as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, but with all that said, what knowledge we know of the period is also very limited. So with all this, we still don't know much about that society, what exactly happened. That's just an overview of everything. Exactly. So historians have depended on what, what archaeological findings we could, like they could find and whatever written text was written during that time. Mm-mm. And the rest ultimately goes down to guesswork. So you have that certain knowledge, you have this certain text, you could just connect the put, dots. Put the pieces together. Exactly. And this is what most history is about, like history. Piecing together. Yes, yeah, yeah. just filling in gaps right so for example like we said we have the hittite kingdom which is based in modern uh, modern day turkey right we had also civilizations in syria civilizations in egypt in crete we had the menonians we had also the aegeanians which would become um, if you want to think about would become modern day or like would become future greeks this is where we see agamemnon and those people they're considered the forefathers of what would become ancient or classical Greek. And then, like we said, we also have all the way to Iraq. We have Sumeria, Mesopotamia, Babylon, the beginning of the Assyrian Empire. And then, of course, you had, which is considered the superpower at the time, the ancient Egyptians. This was the height of Egyptian might. So in this era, Egypt was number one. Egypt was number two. One, yeah, number one. And I think number two would be the Hittites, okay. the modern day Turkish, which is, again, like I said, where Troy would be, you okay, know? Cool, yeah, yeah. And I think number three would maybe be the Aegeanians or the Samarians. The Samarians. Samarians, yeah. Samarians. Samarians. <laughs> this will bring us to part two, the storm that brings no calm. This is one of history's biggest mysteries on how this interconnected, globalized civilizations collapsed, right? Like we have enough evidence, but again, not so much. Historians have to use, like, as Sherlock Holmes would say, the scientific use of imagination, you know? Yeah. Uh, balance all probabilities and then choose which one's the most likely, you know? Yeah. Although truth is stranger than fiction. So from what we find about the sea people or what would become the sea people, an inscription left on one of the temples in Medinat Habu, located in Egypt near the Valley of the Kings. And this is an inscription that will be left by Ramses III, uh, not to be confused by Ramses the Great, who's Ramses II. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ramses III would write, The foreign countries made a conspiracy in their islands. All at once, the lands were removed and scattered in the fray. No land could stand before the arms from the Kaht to the Code to the Karamesh, Arzwa, and the Alicia on being cut off at one time. 
A camp was set up in one place in Amuru. They desolated its people and its lands was like which has never come into being. They were coming forward towards Egypt while the flame was prepared before them. The confederation was the Peleset, the Chijer, the Shekelesh, the Dona and the Weshesh. Lands united. They laid their hands upon the lands as far as the circuit of the earth, their hearts confident and trusting. So in the inscription, you could see that um, Ramses III like, specified the tribes of these people who become the sea people. And you have, for example, the cities that were attacked were... No, sorry, just the tribes that were mentioned. Were they known tribes or was this the first time they heard of these tribes in his scripture? These are the names that Ramses called them by. But there's no historical relevance... Like there's no history to be like that tribe was this, that tribe was that. Now, was this the first time these tribes were named? These tribes were named there, yeah. So they must, they may have been known, but as far as we know, Ramses is the only one who spoke about them. Exactly. Okay, cool. Now, the cities that they came through, as you can say, no land could stand before their arms from, and the cities mentioned. So the city of Kaht is the land of the Hittites, right? Which is, like you said, you said number one or two. Turkey, yeah. Code was considered in southeastern Turkey. Karkamesh was found 100 years ago, by the way, which is considered in Iraq, by Leonard Woolley and, of course, one of the most famous British archaeologists, Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, the Arzawa was a land familiar to the Hittites, and it was west of Turkey. The Alatia was Cyprus, and the Amuru was North Syria. Those countries, so if we look at what Ramsey said, those countries were attacked by this confederation or by this conspiracy of this group. Um, so you can see they attacked pretty much every single country that was around. And and the leading ones. It's not like they took down superpowers. It's like almost saying like these random people took down in a modern day sense, America, Russia, China. Exactly. Yeah. Or um, like say like Europe, like the most important towns. In yeah. Like, like yeah, London, you're Paris, Paris, London, Madrid. Yeah, yeah. They're on my way to me. It's to that equivalent. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, so what do we know about the people that he mentioned? So he said the confederation was the Palisade the Shekelesh, the Dweshesh, the Danwa, and the Jerker, right? Now, we don't know exactly where some of them are, but historians have taken a guess. So, for example, the Palisette, what does it sound close to? Palestine. The Philistines. Yeah. The Shekelesh, it sounds close to Sicily. Okay. So it could be from the Sicilians. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is the type of guesswork the historians make. We're like, okay, what do these words sound close to? And what could be more realistic, right? Mm-hmm. But like I said, outside of these inscriptions by Ramses, we know so little about the people who came and attacked uh, Egypt. And where did they come from? We don't know. Or how did they even like come together to attack at one point? Was it one attack or just separate, several? At- yeah, like barbarians in uh, civilization. Se- yeah. And before we get into them, right, and we break that down, I wanted to give a twist on something. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the other calamities that might have occurred during the Bronze Age. Is that sure. cool? Yeah, let's go. So it. we'll talk about that and then we'll come back to the sea people. So we can see like what was happening prior to the sea people's attacks. And sure. maybe it could explain how the sea people migrated. The first thing we'll be talking about is, I guess, part 2.A, if you want. Or part 2.B. Point B, point yeah. A, yeah. The earthquakes. You know something, earthquake. I remember what it felt like to be underneath your massive frame as you came crashing down on my ribcage. And I also remember you, Dino Bravo, and Jimmy Hart laughing out loud as they rolled me out in that stretcher, man. 
I remember the tears in the eyes of all my little holsters, wondering if this was really the end of Hulkamania. So the idea of earthquakes bringing about the end of the late Bronze Age has been floating, fl- floating, has been floating around for the for like a long time. And thanks to recent recent research in archaeoseismology. Ugh, seismology. It's 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 good because for, you don't you're not butchering a name this time. <laughs> you're butchering a word, but this is like the classic, the classic cream can't say a word. Re- so in recent in recent spell research, it out, spell it out. In recent research in archaeoseismology, can okay? you spell it out? I just said it. Arco archaeoseismology. Okay, archaeoseismology. Archaeoseismology. Not seismology or something. No seismology. Okay. Okay. We know that Greece as well as much of the Aegean and the Eastern Mediterranean was struck by a series of earthquakes in the year of 1125 BCE, mm-hmm. okay? And this lasted from 1125 to 1175 in what historians would call an earthquake storm. So we had one earthquake starting at 1125 BCE and it was just rippled to 1175 BCE. So just imagine like a series of earthquakes just happening yep. during these years. Uh, the idea is that the, seis- the seismic faults kept unzipping. So Ah, sorry, seismology, seismic. Is yeah. That what it is? Okay. <laughs> so, right, archaeo seismology. Cool, cool. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> the seismic faults would keep unzipping by, I'm going to use my hand gesture. So, just imagine me rubbing my knuckles together to show to Eamon how these faults are moving. Sure. And these would unleash a series of earthquakes that would span years, right? Until the pressure is finally released from these faults. Yep. So, the earthquake struck Greece in or Greek cities such as Mycenae, uh, Thebes, and Pylos, right? It would also strike other Eastern Mediterranean cities such as Troy, Hatutsa, the classic, classic yeah. Akko, and Ugarit in the Levant area. And uh, millenniums later, we would find bodies of, peop- of people who got killed during these earthquakes, right? Mm-hmm. Historians would argue, though, that despite the damage of these earthquakes, it wasn't strong enough to collapse a whole society. Like a series of small earthquakes. Yeah, it's a series of small earthquakes, and there was never an earthquake that really, it was never at the size of destroying a whole nation, let alone, let alone a whole system. Got you, got you. If earthquakes are not the cause of the undoing, what could it be? And this brings us to the second theory. So they're saying like, there were earthquakes, but not big enough to do damage. It wasn't. So it, yeah. Cross that out. Okay. Yeah. Climate change, drought, and famine. Okay. Could be. Another suggestion favored by scholars and also, it also might be a theory on why sea people or the sea peoples would migrate from one place to another was climate change, especially in form of drought. And with drought comes famine, right? So scholars have postulated that a drought in northern Europe uh, had resulted in populations of people to migrate down to the Mediterranean, right? Uh, where they would displace the people living there. So, but especially in people in Sicily. If they were weakened by drought, would they have the tools to overthrow cities? No, but like say if you don't, if you have bad harvest, wouldn't the best option to go find land that has better harvest and you'd go armed in case you have to fend off people? Yeah, but wouldn't you think they're weaker already from the drought that they don't I'm have? I'm pretty sure they're not going in like midst of starvation. They're walking. It's like They're they, prepping? They're prepping, yeah, maybe. Which reaction would like it's such an extreme unless they were expecting drought and they left. You could think about it from maybe they had a drought for a year and they're like, okay. This har- like I'm pretty sure they had storage of harvest. It's not like they oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, left yeah, food yeah, to yeah, mouth, you sure, know. For sure, for sure. So when they saw that their food was getting depleted, we and, need to get going. Yeah, got you. So these people would display. So these people would go down from the north all the way down to places like Sicily and Sardinia, mm-hmm. which also caused the chain reaction that let people leave Sicily and Sardinia to look elsewhere. So it wasn't people invading; it was just migrating. So yeah. So one theory is that the sea peoples were people who were just wanted 
who who were running away from famine, who just had famine and they were going from place to place trying to find refuge in another mm-hmm. place. But they would attack the place and take over. Yeah. Okay, that's the theory here. And but and they'll topple major cities. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to this. So in the mid 1960s, uh, Reese Carpenter published a book arguing that the Mycenaean. No, I was saying the city, and then I was saying the civilization. Okay. So he was arguing that the Mycenaean civilization was brought down by a prolonged drought, which affected it and its neighboring regions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of course, many would contest this notion by pointing out that the swath of migration happened as well as during the Iron Age, and it's not one result of one big drought that people are just migrating no matter what. So this brings us to famine, right? So we know, for, for example, the Hittite Empire uh, had suffered through a bout of famine. Because we found the letter from in the mid-13th century BCE where the Hittite queen would write to Ramses the Great, Ramses II, stating that they had no grain in their country or in their kingdom and that they sent an embassy to Egypt to procure some grain. Uh, similar letters were also sent out throughout the years from the Levant and Egypt. And they would also correspond with, like, for example, the king of Sur, or which is in Lebanon, mm-hmm. uh, would write to the king of Ugarit that his ship, king of Ugarit's ship, that was uh, harboring in Lebanon, modern-day Lebanon, which was loaded with grain from Egypt, had sunk by the coast of his city. Uh, no, no, it just sunk. And that uh, they had salvaged some of it, and he was waiting for the king of Ugarit to say what to do with the rest of the things they salvaged. So he's like, listen, I found your ship that was coming from Egypt. It shipwrecked near me. We were able to salvage some grain. What do you want me to do with the rest? That's nice. Yeah. Uh, and he was waiting for his command to send it. Like He's like, tell me when it's okay to send this to you, you know, or mm-hmm. send your emissaries to come pick it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what caused this famine is anyone's guess. You know, So theories go that perhaps it was war, perhaps it was plague, perhaps it was drought. No one really knows. Like I said, the knowledge of what's happened is so limited because things that were written, of course, would be written with a tinge of bias. So it would be written during peak moment of someone's civil, like someone's kingdom. Yeah, yeah. And they would never really show the negative sides of their kingdom. But there was a famine. There was, was a famine, on? yeah. But what caused it, we don't know. We don't know. Just like there was many earthquakes and there was a potential drought. Exactly. So some historians would argue that, um, this brings us to the second part, that there might have been climate change issues, right? So some scientists or some historians, if you will, would say that um, there has been scientific evidence of climate change and drought during the Mediterranean region, especially at the end of the 13th century and the beginning of the 12th century BCE. The research was first suggested that it was at the end of the early Bronze Age in Mesopotamia and lasted towards the end of the 3rd millennium BC that there has been some spike in climate you know what I mean? That makes sense. Now, this has been a proposed that the same thing that happened at the early tinge of the Bronze Age happened again at the end of the Bronze Age. So it happened like within 2000 year period. So okay. what happened one in 3000 BCE in Mesopotamia you, came back again in You forget it's a big period of it time. It is a big period. Like it's, that's 3000 years. Yeah. So to think 3000 years people lived in during a, with bronze. You know what I mean? Yeah, not just that. Like the Egyptian be, Empire lasted three thousand years. And they always say, right, that the closer to the pyramid than Cleopatra. That yeah. Kind of so thing. to keep in mind, the Bronze Age, the start of the Bronze Age, the pyramids were about a thousand years old. Yeah. And Abu uh, Abu Hol, Sphinx was um, older than that, right? Yeah. Because so, yeah. like the Egyptians don't know where the Sphinx came from. Yeah. Cue in the X Files music. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, that's when you're saying it's from the beginning of the Bronze Age. People, it's not a hundred years; it's two thousand years. Yeah, which is crazy. Like to, for me to say early Bronze Age, people are like, oh, okay, that's like a period of one hundred years ago. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's uh, thousands. Yeah, yeah. I just want to reiterate that. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? For sure. Nevertheless, nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, exciting as these findings are, at this point, we must acknowledge that droughts have been frequent in that region. So, like any civilization goes through droughts, right? Um, yeah, was- when you did Tambora, 
there was a whole year of droughts. And again, when we did about the Haitian Revolution, we talked about there was a fat period of drought. Mm-hmm. So these are things of frequency, but they never caused the undoing of a whole civilization. For sure, right? Again, it would seem that on their own, climate change and drought and famines, if, even if they influenced the social tensions and eventually led to competition of, for limited resources, it was not enough to cause the end of a whole age. But it could be what shows the cracks of a relationship, let's say. Exactly. But that's about it. Like, if we were civil, but push comes to shove, what all these pent-up rivalries and tensions and superpower stuff would show. You know, everything's good when it's all like roses and all that, but yeah. That could be, yeah. With limited resources, people became more... Shit hit the fan, everyone shows their true colors. And then people like, you know what? We shouldn't be trading as much. Let's hoard a bit. Yeah, and like, remember when you did this? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That kind of stuff, yeah. You know what, man? Anyway, I just don't like you. I just don't like you, man. I don't like you, bro. So what? It's like the mega powers. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we haven't made a Hulk Hogan reference. It's uh, like the mega powers. Like they were protecting partners for a while, and they're all good and dandy. As soon as the cracks start showing, Macho Man was just like, yeah, uh, the mega powers for those uninitiated are was when Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage decided to join forces to yeah. take on. Was it Ted DiBiase or is it Sergeant? Sl- no. Was Ted DiBiase and Wasn't it like the Sheik and Volcom or something? It could be DiBiase, <laughs> yeah, nah. Look, they just united for a while. Yeah, and it was a force like no what. And everything was dandy until Macho Man started getting jealous. So Miss Elizabeth <laughs> represented drought and the drought and famine. <laughs> <laughs> and Hulk Hogan was probably Egypt, and Macho was was oh, the Hittite kingdom. Oh yeah, Hulk Hogan, I remember way back when when the mega powers were bonded, yeah. You made a lot of promises to the macho man, didn't you? Promises that you didn't keep. I remember one specific one, yeah. You promised that Elizabeth would never be in a dangerous position. You broke that promise. Yeah. So it goes to show you, wrestling could be applied to yeah, any facet of civilization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which culminated in WrestleMania, which was the end of an era. There you go. Mm, the Bronze Age. Yeah. The Bronze Age of wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Let's see how confident Kareem is to leave this or not. I will leave it in. Okay. Where were we? Okay, so part C. So what could be another factor would be the decentralization of power and the rise of the private merchant. Mm-hmm. Um, so another theory, and this is in, this was published in an article in 1998 by Susan Sherratt, now at the University of Sheffield, right? She concluded that the Sea Peoples represented the final step in the replacement of the old centralized political economic system. With this, she said that the new decentralized economies, economic system sorry, of the Iron Age and that was the change from the kingdom that controlled the international trade to city-states controlling the international trade. So instead of being one centralized... So decentralizing of government control with finances. Yeah, and that cities would become, like, would kind of act so independently. It's no, so it's no longer that ancient Egyptian empire runs all the cities, it would be more delegated within. Yeah, it would be instead of, like, for example, instead of Egypt as a whole, it would be Thebes. Got Memphis, you, got you, got you, got you. You and, know, I mean, and that was the thing that happened. Yeah, like you see with uh, Greece, yeah. what eventually happened. Yeah, Sp- Athens, Sparta, also like with Troy being its own independent city. That was after all this. Yeah. Okay. So that's what she said was the cause of it. She said that's that she said. eventually <laughs> they would decentralize. Uh, there was a decentralization of power, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And she said that the sea people represented this decentralization. So of power. it was a metaphor, uh, not a metaphor, but more of like. 
this was a city state that was going to show like it was battling off kingdoms for trade control. Okay. So she said that the sea peoples can usefully be seen as a structural phenomenon, a product of the natural evolution and the expansion of international trade. So sea people were just a description of city states. Exactly. No matter the city state. Yeah. That's and- why he mentioned the Sicilians. The Palestinians and that because they're all different city states, exactly. and he just lumped them all as sea people. The historians would lump them as sea peoples. The he Egyptians never, never called them sea people. No one ever called them sea peoples except when historians started reading description like, "Oh, these people just came from the sea." And did the first city states of decentralized come from coastal cities? I would think. Did so. it start from the coast and developed into central? Because if that's the case, then that makes sense. But wouldn't you say it became it were city states then turned to? Con- Kingdoms then reverted back to city-states? Yeah, but the first city-states start on the coast, is what I'm saying. You know, did the decentralization start from a city-state from the coast? I could say, um, if I have to, like, I don't want to jump the gun, because we'll be talking about the aftermath of... Aftermath. <laughs> uh, we'll be yeah. talking about Eminem's aftermath records. Yeah, no, but um, uh, what I mean is, you know what I mean, like... Yeah, yeah. Was, like, let's say Alexandria was so, the first city-state, no, no. because in the coast, so, so they like, think it's a sea thing. So I think the first city-state to be launched... After this, if I'm not mistaken, would be in Lebanon, somewhere in Lebanon. The Phoenicians. Okay. You know what I mean? And I don't think it was the Phoenician kingdom per se, but it was like cities in Phoenicia or Lebanon. So she would go on to say um, that the, with the sea people would carry within them the seeds of subversion, right? Of the palace-based command economies which had initiated their trade in the first place, such trade in the first place. So she ultimately concludes that it doesn't really matter where the sea people came from. It does That's not a big issue. Or even who they were or what they did. What was important is the social, sociopolitical and economic change that they represent. Like this is the change of the guard. Uh, from a predominantly, like we said, a palace-controlled economy to one where private merchants and smaller entities had more economic freedom to roam. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite this narrative, and surely it's known that privatization was like privatization was kind of created during the Bronze Age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's still unclear whether this really undermined the Bronze Age. Like it's it's a nice theory, but there hasn't been enough evidence to support it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yet. Uh, for example, you Garrett, the city we said that's based in North Syria, showed no evidence that the collapse had come from a decentralized economy. Mm-hmm. But from what we know is that Ugarit was destroyed by a fire. And there has been evidence that this fire was created from some kind of warfare uh, that had taken place. Now, whether this warfare was from the sea people or a different other, like, quote, unquote, barbarians is still up to debate. Mm-hmm. So this brings us to part D, the tribe that came from the sea. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. The young people in Eastern Europe, without Radio Free Europe, communist propaganda could be their major source of news. Could be bad news for you. Shouldn't they hear both sides? Radio Free Europe needs your support. So the the last consideration, and we're going to go back to the sea people now and to explain that you have all these theories in place. Now let's talk about the sea people. Literal sea people. Literal the the tribes that Ramses mentioned, we're going to be talking about them. Like now, but now we have the background on how what was happening mm-hmm. up to the point of these people's attack. Because this was kind of the last stand. stand. Yeah, yeah. So the last consideration and that the conclusion most people arrive to, what? And most of like the conclusion that most historians arrive to is that the sea people, who are by far, by the way, like if you want to go by historical context, they are maybe the most enigmatic people in history. You know what I mean? Oh, shit. Really? I, like, 
it's so like literally the only thing you have written about them was Ramses' stuff. Some like dude talking about how he defeated them on his temple wall. Other than that, you don't know who the hell these people are. Mm-hmm. They're so elusive. Like they, and the thing is, there's evidence that they went to attack. Ramses said they attacked A, B, C, D, E, F before they came to me. Mm-hmm. Yet no evidence of this. It's like yeah. so elusive. You know what I mean? It's like literally a hit and run, you know, like drive-bys. Yeah. So it's it's very fascinating, man. This is um, one reason why I picked it, but other th- I'll get there later. So texts were found in Ugarit in North Syria, like I said. It suggests that enemy ships have come to attack them, but they never specified for like who are these enemy ships. Mm-hmm. They just came and attacked them. There's also evidence that there was some mention in some letters about these people from the Shekla, which is could be Sicily. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could also be the same people that the Shekelesh that the Egyptians would later mention. Shekla, Shekelesh, close, yeah. Close enough, right? Mm-hmm. Many historians start using... Many historians using the text gathered from ancient Egyptian sites tried to note down that where the sea people came from. So, of course, the number one place was Sicily. Mm-hmm. Other places would be Sardinia. Okay. And either, even Libya was considered that maybe they came from Libya. Some like barbarian clan in Libya. Okay. Uh, but from wherever they came from, we could conclude one thing. That around the time of the great collapse of the Bronze Age, a vast horde of them started landing on, the east, on their eastern neighbors with such fearsome force, and they kept sweeping one nation after another, just going from one place to another, one place to another. It's like a Mongolian and horde. They wouldn't se- would they settle? No, they would attack and just move on. Almost like a Viking level. It is, and that's why a lot of people like they're marauders, like Viking marauders, like ancient Vikings. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Could they have come from the Vikings? Your Vikings have been known for being everywhere before when they were supposed to be. Yeah, like, for example, it was what? And then they discovered that they made it to America. They discovered America first, yeah. Yeah, but, but they didn't care about it. Or how there's in um, Middle Eastern countries, Viking scripture. No, how they had Arabic coins and uh, so Vikings carried I Arabic think coins. I heard this, that they landed in Morocco or Tunis, some place like in North, like yeah. Nina region. Yeah. And they kind of just like went there. They did, they did some trade or something and then just bounced. Yeah, the Vikings, I think, are now they're being recognized, but I think they're very underestimated in how far their conquests have gone. So this could be like a proto Viking. Not necessarily clan. from that area, but the similar concept of yeah, what the Vikings are just these people who came in. If we're still now discovering where the Vikings have been, and we thought we had a lot of their history. Yeah, so true. So you, these could be like some. Proto-Scandinavians, man. Yeah, yeah. They just came, conquered, and dipped. Yeah. So They probably came looking for a nice lands, and they're like, okay, not this one. <laughs> yeah, we destroyed it. We can't really use it. Like I said, these uh, they would come with fearsome force, sweeping one nation after another, another. And we know that some of these societies, like some of the societies would eventually fall duly because they could never recover from their inv- the invasions of the sea peoples. They, could, they just never could go back, you know? For example, again, Ugarit is a very good example of this because... Uh, remember the king who I mentioned, Amurapi, who was getting a divorce from the Hittite, Hittite lady, and there, and it was famous because like this records that their court proceedings lasted years. Yep. Like the divorce settlement, he wrote to the kingdom of Cyprus, and they found a letter that went, "My father, now the ships of the enemy have come. They have been setting fires to my cities and have and have done harm to the land. Doesn't my father know that all my infantry is stationed in Kacht?" and that all the ships stationed in the land of Luca, they have not arrived back yet. So the land is thus prostrate. May my father be aware of this matter. Now the seven ships of the enemy have been coming and have done harm to us. 
Now if other ships of my enemy turn up, send me a report somehow so that I will know. So you can see that he sent a letter to Cyprus saying that my, my army is depleted and it's like in different lands. If there's more ships coming, let me know because these, la- these ships have already come and destroyed a lot of shit. And it's almost like, as expected, they're here now. Yeah. Like, it's almost like he was waiting for them to attack. Exactly. Because it's like, this horde came. Now I'm waiting for the next one. So send me a report where they are so I can like prep, prep. And the fact that send me a report where they are means like, we were expecting, expecting them. them. Now here's the problem. The letter was found in Ugarit. So it shows that the letter never really left to Cyprus. Wow. So they got attacked before the second letter, like the letter was supposed yeah. to go out. They found it burnt in the city. And you know, because like it's made, they used to write in clay. So it like froze, like it was, like the burnt froze the clay. It's stuck, yeah. Yeah. Uh, archaeologists also found layers of destructions two meters thick. They found that the ca- the city roofs have caved in and burnt down. Uh, people like, so this is something I want like to keep in mind for like the people who are listening. Back in the day, and this was done up to the medieval period, when, when you had an invader coming in, the first thing you do is you bury all your belongings. So that when you like... When you survive, you dig it back up. You you come back to the city and you dig up your belongings, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the best evidence archaeologists have of ancient warfare is by seeing buried, yeah, like valuables being buried on the ground means oh there was some war, but people never came back, so they, we could conclude that there was a massacre here. You know what I mean? Or they just lost. Right? Or they just lost. That's what, just so I could throw it like an FYI, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of people have found that people buried their valuables in a panic, and these items were found. Um, were found so meaning that no one really came back to collect we can also infer from this info, info that these attacks came back came with a surprise and no one saw them coming um because of how like shallow these graves were and the fact that not just that that his sh- he didn't have enough, enough ships, ships to like so they didn't they didn't they weren't prepared they could even have time to recall them back yeah it wasn't um, planned yeah a tactic they employed throughout the regions like they would surprise attack you know what i mean yeah um, they'll show up out of nowhere as if with no rhyme or reason destroying everything and then disappearing over the horizon other cities along the Palestinian coastline would also suffer the same fate Aleppo in Syria was destroyed there was a tablet in MR on the Euphrates which also talked about a horde of nameless nameless enemies attacking them hmm. Cyprus on the site of <laughs> on the site of you're gonna massacre this? I'm gonna massacre this cock and <laughs> 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 okay, we're gonna break it down. Ka- spell it, spell it, spell it. Kakeno Kermos. Spell it. Hey, I just, okay, are you gonna pronounce it if I spell it? Yes. K O K O K K I K K I N O N O K R E M O S. Okay, you have to repeat <laughs> that last word again. K O K K I. Look, I'm telling you, it's Kakeno Kermos, man. Okay. Kakeno. <laughs> Wait, let's say it one more time, okay? Wait, wait, spell it for me. I'm gonna type it out so I can spell. Okay, K O K K I K K I N O N O K R E K R E Yeah M O S K R E M O S M O S K O K K I N O K R E M O S Yes, pronounce that. Kakano Kermis. Okay. Cockinocremus. 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 Okay. On Cyprus. So. Cockinos Gremos. We, well. Because that's a beach apparently in Greece. Is it? Cockinos Gremos. Cockinos Gremos. So that's probably an uh, modern. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Cockinos Gremos. So Cyprus on the side of Cockinocremos. No, Cockinos Gremos. Cockinos Gremos. Yes. Yeah, but there's no N O S though. Cockinos. How can you say Cockinos? Cockinos. 
It's cock and ochremos. Okay, cock and ochremos. Are we going to cut any of this out? If you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In cock and ochremos. Cock and ochremos. Archaeologists found, or archaeologists would unearth evidence of a city being abandoned, right? Mm-hmm. With people, of course, again, burying their tools and uh, before exiting and vanishing. So they found that carpenters buried their tools there or metal workers, and they never came back for it. So despite not knowing anything about them, we do know that how they looked like, right? So one thing we know about the Sea Peoples is that Ramses described their appearance. All right, let's hear it. Ramses would talk about this again, like if you are curious, in the te- in his temple in Medina Tabu, uh, which Brendan Fraser would go to find the Book of the Dead. No? Classic. Okay, <laughs> yeah. In Medina Tabu, of course, um, these these um, within those cravings, we see images of prisoners of war, right? So like you see on the paintings, prisoners of war being led into uh, being captured from war. They were taken in during battle between the Egyptian the sea peoples these pres- these prisoners wore kilts and feathered headdresses but the thing is but then others would have horns on their helmets others would have skull caps some would wear full armor and some would wear nothing but kilts and a spear so you see what i mean and it's like they're all fighting together i have my theories but i'll save it off for, okay, for the end save it off for later it does have to do with america yeah yeah good um of course <laughs> and but then eventually we have also evidence that these people would eventually work in egypt they would find work in egypt in so they actually settled a bit yeah and they they became part of the egyptian armies they worked as egyptian mercenaries so they weren't necessarily as hit and run <laughs> in egypt maybe they just wanted to settle down no maybe they decided egypt was a good spot maybe maybe that was the goal in the end and that's why and and that's the theory on why some people say that egypt were able to name the tribes because they were able to establish some sort of communication. That's why he called them this and that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, so we caught a bunch of people. They were from this and they were from that. But again, the the thing is that these people would attack, but they were leaderless and self-enlisted. They had, they like literally, they would attack with no commander to attack to mm-hmm. like guide them mm-hmm. so like we said the ancient egyptians were the ones to fend off the sea peoples but as you may know uh the egyptians weren't good seafarers right like they were never known for sea battles yeah. and i think throughout all of egyptians reign the weakest point was navy attacks naval stuff yeah, yeah. uh what egypt was famous for was their archers and the chariots right mm-hmm. so they would have small chariots where they would do like a kind of like a spin around and shoot arches from yeah, it I, I remember reading there was the first drive-bys yeah yeah egypt had the first drive-bys i remember studying exactly that, yeah. and then the heavy chariot would attack afterwards and break the barriers right yeah so when the sea people planned to attack egypt they were coming in through the nile delta mm-hmm. and they were going to attack through the nile on their ships so ramses gathered his army and they would hide in the reeds Along the Nile, and they waited for, they'll be waiting and anticipating for the sea people to come through, right? And when they came through the river, uh, the Egyptians launched their attacks. Archers would shoot their arrows onto the ships while they were going through the Nile. And then the sea people would try to embark in a panic. So it's like you have this sea of uh, arrows uh, yeah. attacking you. So you tr- the first thing you want to do is you want to embark. You want to find a place, shallow land, so you could go off. And the Egypts probably know the Nile inside out. Exactly. So they knew where they would hide. Um, Especially for such a trade hub And it's such a developed trade hub at the time It's not some random sea Exactly So when the sea people tried to embark on land They would be met by the Egyptian armies Who would, who would meet them with spears mm-hmm. uh, The Egyptian ships would then Like whatever ships were left Or Egyptian ships had They would appear from the other side of the Nile And they would enclose them So they would be enclosed between land and sea mm-hmm. And they would, so when the sea people tried to retreat Eventually some would surrender, right? 
Yeah. Uh, this was all chronicled on a papyrus called the Papyrus Harris Number One. Mm-hmm. This papyrus is the longest papyrus ever discovered. <laughs> you want to take a guess how many meters it is? Forty-one meters long. Damn. And it contains one thousand five hundred lines of text, all summarizing the reign of Ramses III. Okay, and this was part of it. So there was a big portion of him fending off the sea okay. people. Uh, this is how we know how they beat. Them. And for the uninformed about it, would Egypt write stuff that are factually incorrect to make Ramses come up better? Yeah. Okay. So no, I won't say they won't write factually incorrect, but Egypt would like. Like any monarchy. Yeah, for sure. That's they what I'm Im- saying. They would embellish their victories and they would minimize their defeats. So as far as we know, this could be glorified a bit. Yeah. Like maybe I'm pretty sure it wasn't like to the extent of like, oh, this is what we came and we like destroyed yeah, them yeah, at one go. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was a bit more back and forth. But they wouldn't be untruthful if they've lost or won. Yeah. I don't think they would hide the fact that they lost or whatever. Like, I mean, we have knowledge that the Egyptians have lost other wars. But would the Ramses, I'm sure he gave the okay to write this. Would he have made himself look bad? No, no. So we can so you have again, to keep that in, in mind yeah, when reading those scriptures, right? Yeah, so at the end of the day, take this with like a biases of saying like... If Absolute bias, yeah, yeah, for sure. So like it's it for example... It could be true, but it could not be. It's like, for example, saying if a president today decided to write... I mean, history is written by the Ravenous, yeah. But to, yeah, so yeah. This is where we are. So, what should we make of the sea people? Should they bear the blame for every single collapse of the civilizations in the Mediterranean? Because it was so systematic. Exactly. The main cities, yeah. For instance, like we know the Mycenaean, Mycenaeans, who played a big part in the War of Troy, right? Like they were one of the, like I said, Agamemnon would be a part of them, and uh, they were destroyed not by the sea people, but by their neighbors in the north called the Dorians, or what you'd consider today to be the. Hellenic Greeks mm-hmm. who would become no the modern day Greeks mm-hmm. uh, or not the modern day the ancient the, the classical Greeks right the Dorians when they attacked the Mycenaeans um, they attacked them during a time when the Mycenaeans were weakened by the sea so the sea people weakened the Mycenaeans they, and may, then bound- they may not have obliterated those uh, civilizations but what they may have done is just weakened all their infrastructure and dipped exactly to a point where they couldn't come back so, out of it Another tribe would come and see, oh, dear, let's pick up the pieces. And you, if you mount to that, what you've mentioned, the drought, mm-hmm. the climate change, and the earthquakes. It was just a series of, and I'm not saying this happened all in 100 years, but within 500 to 1,000 years, that all back to back. You could see how it could Every collapse. time you try to come back from one collapse, there's another and another and another. Okay, so another example about like not should the sea people be blamed for this is the collapse of the Hittites, right? Now, the capital city is Hatsua, which you may know from the game. Yep. Uh, which li- but Hatsua lies inland in Turkey, right? It's considered, it's between a mountainous region, right? Or it's considered like, I think on a mountaintop, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, this cannot be attacked like they were not attacked by the sea people because they're inland Turkey. We have knowledge they might be attacked by... The Fragans, uh, a group of people who came from the Balkans, right? Who migrated south to Turkey because of a famine that they suffered. So they could decide to go southward and they, that's when they attacked Hatsua, Hatsua. We could also learn that. But then again, like you could see how like it's just like these different things happening at the same time during the same era. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's easy just to like lump one big scapegoat. We'll again come to like what does this mean today? And how humans still live on this notion of the scapegoat, right? Yeah. Um, so part three. Part three, the aftermath. What happens after, right? So we have noted that for more than 300 years, and say like from the beginning of, if you want to take this into like, you, again, using the superpower Egypt, 
So from Hapsetsut's reign to 11,000 BCE, you can see that the world was a very complex network of trade, right? Yeah. This, this is an interconnected, globalized system. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like globalization, 100%. The only time we'll ever get globalization like this is pretty much today. Mm-hmm. Never again would history would the world be so interconnected. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in which you have like the cities we mentioned, we had the the Menonians, the Greeks, or what would be the Mycenaeans, the Hittites, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the, Cy- the people in Cyprus, the Egyptians, all lived together. A globalized system. One thing we could note that so, for example, when one of them collapsed, it's like cutting off a network. Yeah, yeah. like like how gas prices go up because of Ukraine and Russia. And how we're all affected by it. Or uh, what's it called? Wheat is affected because of that. that Or like, for example, like the real estate bubble in America collapses. We feel you feel it all the way across the world. Yeah, true, true. Similar, similar concept. So one one thing we could notice that the collapse of this network was caused by so many different factors, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is not one and done, like did not happen. So why do people say that 1177 was kind of the fall of the Bronze Age? It's kind of like a nice number to put like the beginning of the day. It's not right at that. It was maybe a hundred years after. If you want to think about it, it's like saying how, you know how people say, I think 476 AD is the collapse of Rome, which is not really true. I mean, Rome has had like wars before and after, you know, before it ultimately fell apart. It was almost like the death bell where they knew it wasn't coming back from then. It's kind of like finding a mean, mean year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what happens after, right? What happens after the Bronze Age? What happens after 1177 BCE? Well, eventually you come to the Iron Age, right? Mm-hmm. Where iron would would become um, the main metal that will take over the bronze, right? Of course, iron is stronger, more durable. It does not bend as easy as bronze, even though bronze is not hard to bend as easy as copper. But anyways, that's besides the point. But we have evidence that during the Iron Age, these empires we mentioned were somewhat trading with one another, but not to the extent of how it was prior. They're still the remnants of exactly. the trading routes, yeah. Um, another effect that happened was the Mycenaeans were depopulated. Um, people started migrating out of their kingdoms, like the capitals, started moving back into smaller towns. Like people retreated back to smaller towns. They weren't living in metropolises anymore. Mm -hmm. We also see the rise of independent city-states that would eventually become Athens and Sparta and so on. The foundations were crumbled. Exactly. We see the same thing in what would we call the new Assyrians or the new Hittites. We also begin to see the rise of the Phoenician people who would rise from the ashes of these uh, empires. That's pretty much the new guard. Exactly. Some retreated and like focused on a more city-state level, and then others came back. This is also, like we said, the Pelisets, that warring tribe. They would eventually settle in what would be considered Philistine or modern-day Palestine. Mm -hmm. They would become an own civilization there. This is also where we begin to see the rise of the Israelites, Mm -hmm. and the new Jewish uh, religion would come out. Also with this, like to mention the Phoenicians again, Phoenicians would create the the Phoenician alphabet, a new form of alphabet. And what's unique is that this alphabet will be letters. A, B, C. So it wasn't designs. So it wasn't like a bird represents the word water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be the first time where there'll be a structure to the alphabet. It would go from right to left. Mm -hmm. This would eventually lead to the written language. It would lead to Arabic, uh, Latin, and Greek. Yeah. would be born out of this language. Hebrew would be born out of this language. The Phoenicians would also sail to the Greece and Italy and France, establishing more of an influence there. Uh, this was also this is where we begin to see new forms of government taking over, such as republics, democracies, like such an Athens. It was literally the change of guard, it's yeah. the change of everything. The like new the fall era. Of, yeah. yeah. We'll also begin to see new forms of farming, merchant class, the rise of a privatized merchant class. 
mm-hmm. would also take form. This is the thing. So like you could see that this is a cycle, right? Because the end of something, the start of something new. Exactly. Which is classic. Sometimes you have to, in civilization, when it's completely destroyed is when you get the complete new renovation. But you also have to realize like this is thousands of years of change, right? It's not like... Exactly. A, it yeah. doesn't happen a day and night. But like like we said, so you can see that this is a process, right? This is a cycle because like once the Iron Age collapses, then you get the classical age, which becomes the medieval. Yeah, such is life, yeah. Yeah. And then empires rise, empires fall, new empires are being born, new empires will fall because from the Greeks would come the Romans, from the Romans would become... I got Watson's attention. Yeah, the Greeks. Yeah, for sure. The uh, Romans into modern day, whatever. Constantinople yep. or Byzantine Empire, if you will, then the Islamic age. And like, this is the repeated, like this I is- I think the Bronze Age was, was it the last long age? Like in like term of- re- Period. Like, hmm. How long did the Iron Age last? I don't know. That's a good question. Let's Google that one sec. So you can see yeah, like- Yeah, see? The Iron Age was period that started between this and then when did it end? Well, what what's the year? 100? It started- so it was literally 700 years 700 years that's it so from 110 from 1200 apparently till 550 bc makes sense okay and um, was compared to and the then what's the classical age how long was that that was the next and i think that lasted a while no but i don't think it lasted as long it yeah it must have been like a thousand years mm-hmm. it ended 323 bce yeah okay that makes sense it started like i mentioned around seven so it was like four or five hundred years too wow so it's like the Bronze Age was the last long, long age, age and everything was like ta 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 nonstop. Hmm. Phantom time hypothesis? Is there a missing link in the years? Maybe the Bronze Age had a lot more going on but just got lumped into one big thing. You think so? Maybe because like because history was a lot more communicated. Back so you, after that. Yeah, so you could just jot down different time periods. Whereas the Bronze Age, it's so scattered that they're like this is just one big age. Whereas like now that the writing letters are cohesive, there's more tools to monitor. We, we still can see literal scriptures from the classical age till now. We read their books and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's a lot more. Uh, this is from here. But if we didn't have, if we had the same communication levels, then it would have been like one big period. But if well. you think about it, if say, for instance, the Bronze Age started from when we started using the bronze metal. In terms of... To, yeah. where it's to, to, to when we started using iron... Like to, or not, not even start to use iron because I know, for instance, iron has been used before, but the widespread of iron use, to be exact. If if you want to go by that, that means like okay, if you, I'm pretty sure that what historians go by, like the first time we used bronze to when iron has become the predominant metal. Yeah. Then that's a three thousand year period. Two thousand plus. Two thousand plus. But I'll say this: if we're only going to go by the material. Whereas that from the classical to this, that wasn't based on then material. Then that means the Iron Age would be longer because then... Iron stayed for so long. They used it in the medieval period. But they, when Iron Age and onwards wasn't about material anymore. It was about fall of... Uh, Empires. Hegemony. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we changed our standards of measuring civilization eras and ages after the Bronze Era. Mm-hmm. It was material, then it became non-material. Boom. But maybe because that's maybe that's indicative of something. Maybe that's indicative to how we were. We became more aware that it's not about tools. The human brain is the most important tool. You know what? We should really Google that, right? Like why? Why did we stop using material as? Or why was the Bronze Age longer than the Iron Age? I'm gonna Google that real quick, but okay, let but, me. Like, but that's gonna be so sidetracked. Yeah. Okay, let me just go back to where we were, yeah, and yeah, then sorry, we yeah, could yeah. put this in like like a yeah. brief info. As you can see with the Iron Age, like with the birth of the Iron Age and like Amos said, the classical age, you have like this cycle, right? Of birth, growth, evolution, decay, renewal. 
right aim yep this is it this is the cycle so like we are born we rise our height we fall we destroy we get buried we are reborn again a civilization is reborn again ultimately for the better i hope this kind of brings us to one more empire that we kind of like did not speak about on the aftermath and that's the superpower of the time mm-hmm. the egyptian empire what happened to the egyptian empire after the war with the sea people okay the Egyptians, even though they defeated the Sea Peoples, they were utterly diminished. They were economically ruined, okay, by the war. Mm-hmm. And plus by the fact that every other city that they were trading with was destroyed. So as they well. had nothing to trade with. Exactly. And if so, we were to go with the drafts that they had and all that stuff, then Egypt they would become a form, like a shadow of its former self. Mm-hmm. The economy was a result. As a result, left Egypt depleted. Harvest would eventually go shit. This would lead to what would become or what would be known as the world's first ever workers' strike would take place in Egypt 20 years after the victory of the Sea People, mm-hmm. where um, the Egyptian state... So back in, back in the day, for those you know, like just not to start talk too much, Egyptians would pay their workers, especially government workers, with food. Mm-hmm. Like food and beer. You know yeah, what I mean? Bread and beer. That was the yeah. cause, yeah. So, like, for example, the workers of the pyramids... Would get bread and beer. I yeah, they'll be... That. Yeah. Um, so Egyptians artisans and builders uh, the Egyptian government or the Egyptian state would not be able to provide them food hence in the village of Dar and Medina and they will eventually uh, strike the world's first ever recorded strike Mm -hmm. which was jotted down this was during Ramses III's reign so this was during the 20th year of his reign or something Ramses would die three years later and after his death Egypt would fall into a bit of instability his children would reign but they weren't as effective we begin to see a new rise a theocracy the Egyptian priests would be running the country yep. and they would use uh, leaders as their puppets. Eventually, Egypt would fall and it would, this would be marked by a period of conquest from non-native Egyptians who would take over Egypt. And this would eventually lead to Egypt being conquered by the Persians. Of course, as we all know, um, the Persians would be kicked out of Egypt through Alexander the Great, which would establish the Greek the Greek reign of Egypt, which would then become the Roman reign. So you can see Egypt never really recovered. back. Conquered by the Egyptians. Maybe, I guess you could say the next new prominent was under Cleopatra. But again, it's not really an nope. Egyptian rule, right? Mm-mm. As much as she could say she's a third generation Egyptian by that point. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so this is where we... That was the end of the superpower. Exactly. And this is where we end the Bronze Age. A network of people, a network of civilizations, each independent, yet so interconnected that when one fell, they all fell. And of course, historians like to blame a scapegoat. And I think this is something indicative about us how we try to find the one big cause of destruction for any civilization right so like for example today i'm pretty sure if you ask a lot of people what caused the end of was going to cause the end of this civilization they'll be like they blame i don't know putin or something yeah one person well if you look at the history if they're going to study it in the span of hundreds of years you can take into relation uh, the nuclear bomb, Hitler, uh, this treaty. The 2008 economic crash. The, the Treaty of Versailles. It, it, this can all be lumped into one one reason. Like if you're, if like 100, 200 years from now, they're going to lump us all. That's why I'm always saying that this is all one, still one big world war when the history books look back at this. That we've never really like, yeah, like it's just a series of events that happened from like the beginning of the yeah. 20th century till now so they're like what they labeled as world war ii went on to continue as russia did this ta 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 and they had a cold war which was about you know and i just feel like it's just like one long it's such a cohesive story it will be interesting how like three thousand years from now 
when two people would sit and make a podcast episode about this era there would be no podcast bro you never know it'll be telepathic telepathic i don't know whatever it will be called in yeah future. but yeah no but man let's not, let's, would, not, let's not go that far like if you go like 200 years from now what would people like how would the people, way we're advancing is so crazy we just said that from the classical to this to that like 200 300 years and now we're in the digital age right yeah, we moved from the industrial age to the to the information age to the digital it's, age. That was how, that was all 200, 300 years. Crazy. Max. It's if maybe this is indicative of something how every era keeps getting shorter. Shorter and shorter because the Stone Age to the Bronze Age was long. Stone Age was longer than the Bronze. Yeah, Age. Yeah, what like humans used tools ten thousand years ago. Yeah, so perhaps. it's it's reducing, reducing, reducing. The more we go, it's interesting. So, so by the, even the digital age, maybe by ten years from now, would be, be the nothing. digital. Yeah. Yeah, it would be some weird ass new age that we have now. You can't comprehend. The alien age. Mm-hmm. Is this what you wanted to get at? No. Were aliens progressing the sea people? Were the sea people aliens? No. So what I think the sea people actually were. Mm-hmm. So two theories I have. I have a theory too, but go on. So it's either the Vikings mixed with natives. Natives. Native Americans. Really? I mean, look at the tools they were wearing. Kilts with these kind of headgears. Yeah, yeah. And they came from the sea together. Mm-hmm. That's why they had no leader. They had no coordination. Based on the attire, purely. Because the attire sounds very Viking. But but, they but the spears they used is very native. And they wore, they wore head, feathered headdress. Feathered headdress. But then that could tell you there might be a, some ancient civilization we don't know about who wear feathered headdresses. And they could be a mixture of Viking and native. It, do, it does it does um, add some mystery to it, doesn't it? Like, who are these people? Yeah, and it sounds like the Vikings were masters of the sea. They were, for sure. So... And now that we're still discovering more about the history, how are we not to know that the history was longer than what history claims it is? So don't you think they might be like somewhere from, say, Morocco, Tunis, maybe? Like, think about it. Because, like, you know, for example, how they say um, in ancient Greek time, the pillars of Hercules is where the underworld resides, like the unknown. And the pillar of Hercules is where the Mediterranean Sea stops. That's where they consider, like, the end of the the Greek world, right? Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is like you're here be dragons. You're going into like the afternoon yeah, or yeah. something. What if these people came from like Morocco, you know, where it's like the furthest point. Could be. And they just sailed that way through the sea. Could be, but it's like And also, that's why they came from west to east. But is there Moroccan headgear similar to this? Maybe we don't know. Maybe like there's some nomadic it, it, but tribe. It must be some tribe that we had never paid attention to. Who never, who had no written word. Who like were almost Mongolian in the way they and then they got their hands because of the interconnectedness of the world on, like, on our on our weapons mm-hmm. on, on the weapons of the time, they got their hand on it and, and they're they like, just, let's go. They learned their like they found them. They like or not found in them, one they, of those shipwrecks. Yeah, and they like or they or they took out another people who had bronze weapons and they or, like, or they just found the shipwreck of weapons and like let's go. My second theory is your second theory because the world was so interconnected. How do we know this wasn't one big interconnected militia attack? Uh huh. There was communication was so frequent and da 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 da. So what if a bunch of rebels were like, guys, let's just tear everything down? So it was a series of nomads communicating. To throw this out there, so for example, there was a common language. Like if you want to consider it as the English of then, yeah. is the Akkadian language. Yeah. That was the language. So for example, if you're an Egyptian translator or you're an Egyptian uh, who, diplomat who wants to write to the Assyrian, yeah. the Egyptian would be translated to Akkadian and then from Akkadian to Assyrian. Yeah. There was a way of communicating. The national language. Yeah. There was um, like English now, mm. right? Uh, or French back, back then yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So what if... You had like just be, just like now. If we're gonna compare, humans don't change much. 
We're so globalized. You have people like, we need to tear this down and restart the world. But why would they? Uh, we don't know the context, right? But you do get people now. It's like, fuck globalization. We need to reset Earth, man. We're losing our sight. We're losing our sight, right? Some like a militia. Yeah. So how do we know they did? It wasn't one big coordinated militia attack. And they just from different areas. It's so it wasn't one sea people. It was an idea in the underground networking of communication, <laughs> the dark web of the Bronze Age. And they're like, let's do it. Yeah, that's a crazy what if. It's like, what if, um, so it's like the freedom fighters or slash the yes. terrorists. Yeah, of all the- and, and there's no scriptures on it because they were so underground. No one knew. They're so underground that the world leaders didn't even know about them. And the attacks were so sudden. How can we find those scriptures if the people running the world didn't know about them? So then they're like, you know what? Let's tear, let's tear everything down together. Maybe one leader who would write the notes, not necessarily a fighter. Like Fight Club, kind of, Tyler Durden. <laughs> yeah, the Tyler Durden of the Bronze Age. That's crazy. I, you know what? That could I've never. But it's because it's so globalized, and it sounds so similar to what we're going through now. We've never been so globalized until now, and now we get these people who want to like, uh, what's their name? Blow up the credit card. Uh, yeah, the yeah. the guys, the uh, anonymous. Yeah, yeah. Like let's tear down the system. Similar concept. Could be anonymous. Isn't necessarily a person. It's the idea, right? You can't kill an idea, Mr. Green. Exactly. So it could have been just a bunch of militia people. Tired of how things are globalized and they're like, let's bring down the world. Anarchist. Maybe, perhaps like ancient anarchists. And that's why when they got caught, they're like, okay, we'll just live here. So I have a theory. Okay. And my theory is something similar to that, but it's more to do with the famine and the drought. So I think it's a bunch of people who migrated from one place to another. And then when that place came to like get, for example, affected by a earthquake or by a famine Mm -hmm. they decide okay listen guys this is not working let's move together and let's move together and then like it's kind of like a a snowball where like one city would go to another a series of tribes that who just just collected together because each one's suffering from like the same like listen guys we're all suffering from a famine that's that's true that could be in terms of movement yeah so we're in a similar idea i can say they didn't necessarily have to be with each other it was communicated you're saying they picked each other up as they went i say yeah it's like it's a marriage of convenience but i would agree that either way maybe the droughts have caused even the communication stuff we're starving we're clearly not working why are we so interconnected and reliant on each other why that 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 why not we just reset it all that could be like that drought and all that was like guys we need a change maybe they got sick and tired of the kingdoms or maybe yeah it was city states that were and look what and, and look what came up afterwards city states maybe they wanted to decentralize it's like in again civilization when you leave a barbarian along for too long they become a city state yeah so maybe this was their attempt to decentralize the world and it was a lot more planned than history knows like i said but this we is... haven't found the scriptures to fit that theory this is all by the hypothetical yeah, it's all sure. it's a what if but if we were to know humans and how they think and we know that nothing it, is new the way we think has never really changed as much mm-hmm. it's only in cycles and now that we're seeing this world of globalization, we're seeing people are so done with it. And they're like, let's blow up the banks and start again. It's like looking at the present to know the past, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's blow up banks. Let's go. Oh, we need to do this. We need to tear it all down because the system is flawed. Very similar. That's crazy. Could yeah. be. Like, honestly, I didn't think. I thought about it like from the form of famine and drought. It's like. Yeah, for sure. It's famine. And, and it's go. because of famine and drought. But it could be pick up and go. You're not wrong. But for it to be so concise, concise. way too concise to be random, is my opinion. Some Is it something like a crusade where there's one goal in mind of going there? Just tearing shit down. Like, you know how the crusade is like, oh, and, we and, need to go free the Holy Land. It's and like, maybe it's within cities. You have moles are like, okay, we attack from this port to this port to this port. That would be some crazy. That's some Just interconnected. One big interconnected attack because the world was interconnected now what's your part c your third theory no, that was th- uh, aliens aliens of course. <laughs> seriously yeah, yeah for sure the aliens were sea peoples yeah yeah for sure and they had like weird gear 
Yeah, and people just like you humanize it. Oh, this looks like a feathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, for sure, I'm, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not, I'm not ruling it out. Yeah, that. No, there, there's, there's this sky people who Dude, came from it's the not sky. sky people. If you, if modern UFO theories, they <laughs> come from the water. water. Yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> my alien peeps would hear this and be like, "Yeah, they do come from the water." Guys, um, leave us a shout out on Instagram if you want to do an episode on alien people come from the water or from no, the see, sky. See, see, see. The sex war, no, war, know, war, war of the world stuff. No, I'm uh, seeing. No, I'm not. Jokes aside, I'm, the I common know. theory of UFOs Both nowadays is, is from the water. That there's underground portals in water, or they they've stationed themselves in water a long time ago, and that's where they live. Bermuda the Triangle. Because what's up is down. Uh, yeah, as above, so below. Maybe I don't know. The closest thing to space environment for these aliens is the water. Mm-hmm. It's because the water is so deep; they know no one will ever find them there. Deep, deep. Yep. Anyways, so that's eh? my theories, bro. <laughs> to wrap this up, because I kind of we kind of went into conspiracy theory, the conspiracy or Atlantis, uh, Atlantis, Atlantean, the the last strife of Atlantis. Um, it could be like the Atlantis, not Atlantis itself, but that civilization that was super advanced. And then they just disappeared to time. Yo, man. It, it, and they just came out now, and, and, and changed, like, fuck shit up. This is the problem with ancient history. And like part of it is... Like, sorry, sorry for interrupting your thing. Perhaps it was a civilization on a certain land that was drowning and they needed to find new land. Maybe. And they just started attacking to find new land. And this is what's crazy about, like, especially when you tackle ancient civilization, especially when you go Bronze Age, right? Because like you said, there's not enough evidence. Like, it's still, to us, it's still something. We're learning everything. Every year, we're learning something new about the Bronze Age. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy to think, before 3000 BC, what civilizations were there that just disappeared to the sands of time? Yeah. And we just don't know about their existence. And if it's some island civilization, and there were droughts and earthquakes. Like, for example. and And, like, tsunamis took it down. They probably like, okay, let's go. Like, for example, like the Menonians, right? Who lived in Crete. We knew nothing about them until so recent. Like, I'm telling you, like, less than 100 years ago, we knew about the Menonians. Like, there were these people who lived in Crete, the bull worshippers, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So you're saying maybe in 50 years, we'll, we'll find, find some weird ass civilization. And they're like, guys, this was probably the sea, sea people, people were talking about. Maybe. Yeah, yeah Like, maybe. you never know. Like, um, you just have to History, find... History still being uncovered. Because I think the Menonians, if I'm not mistaken, got destroyed by an earthquake or some volcanic eruption eventually and they would just disappear and then shout out to giant squid for making an album about them but mm-hmm. um yeah like we know like we just recently found out that oh there were there's a whole advanced civilization it's like, in crete it's like how we keep mentioning how the vikings were still learning more about mm-hmm. them similar concept yeah. and it's so mind-boggling man like there's like a, a large portion of history literally longer than we have been existing if everything started say 5000 bce this the things we don't know are longer than if civilizations start 5,000 We know less than what, than what is there. Exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, to wrap this up, Aim, how do you think the Bronze Age ended? Do you think it was a series of just calamities, blow after blow after blow, and then eventually it just couldn't withstand the time? I think so. I think... Because it was so interconnected, they couldn't twist. I don't think it's a one-day kind of thing, just like how you mentioned the Roman Empire. Mm. It's not a one-day thing. It was probably just drought, this, which made this, which made communication Just a series tougher. of events that could they could, like, by the time they tried to get, they got over one, they just got hit with another. Yeah, and it was just, but it's not over, like, it's in hundreds, hundreds of years, years. But it's like, the infrastructure got destroyed from this drought. Bronze, although strong, maybe not strong enough to carry on, yeah. carry on with the destruction of the climate. Climate change is a thing, right? 
So maybe they just like the climate change, they didn't have the t- technology to adjust to climate change and just a gradual, because they always say climate change is not an overnight thing. It's hundreds, thousands of years of things, right? Yeah. And if this empire lasted 2000 plus years, it was just that, right? And on top of that, people, because of such destruction, like when, when Americans are tired that America is giving money to Ukraine and they don't have money. Can you imagine back then when people, our trade routes are being destroyed and they're still seeing they're selling, selling grain. And they're still saying grain. They're like, what about our grain? We need grain. Mm-hmm. These, these mini revolts and all that stuff. And then the, the, the community is shattered. The idea of globalization is... That, that's the thing. We, we have to also take into consideration there could have been internal rebellions. Definitely. Like people like, dude, we have no grain. Why are you giving grain to these people? Mm-hmm. Or we found other people's grains. Why are we giving it back to them? Like you mentioned that shipwreck. Yeah. Why don't we keep it? So there could have been a lot of these other factors, internal cl- conflict. Well, it did sound all pretty and dandy that they were together. And there's one sea people who just... And then on top of that, the the final straw was an unplanned invasion. So that's my theory. One last thing. So what do you think this could tell us about society today? That it's... Uh, besides the obvious that if you think the collapse of society, this is not... There's not going to be a one strike, all destruction. This is going to be a prolonged... No society has ever de- got destroyed overnight. Yeah, I think... Though, to be honest, out of all this, not even the collapse, I think the most important thing I've learned about this is the more we record our history, the, the, more, the, the more the ages are shortened. That's what you took from it. Yeah, I don't know why. That's, <laughs> that's the most thing that's stuck, isn't it? It's crazy. It is crazy. Like, yeah, how- like the, more, the more we become re- less reliant on tools and more le- reliant on all the technologies of modern tools, but our brains, the less the ages last. Mm. So that's my thing. And I don't think the Bronze Age was a 2,000-year age. I think it was probably multiple ages. If we were to look at it in the same lens that we... Use it now. Use it now. But this is just because of the lack of... Sorry, Tony has an opinion. The lack of history and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, my final take um, from this is, or what I've learned and how I could adopt this today is that just because something is about to end and uh, fall, which is, I guess, at this point, like, no, it's hubris to think that we will not collapse as a society. That doesn't mean it's for the worst. The Iron Age brought, uh, from the Bronze Age, we were given the Iron Age, which brought us new form of politics, new form of ideas. We, philosophy grew poetry drama comedy whatever like this was the language a- language something beautiful came out of it and so on and so forth you know a uh, nothing lasts forever and two just because something's gonna end doesn't mean it's gonna be for the worst it could be the rebirth of something better this is um the bronze the collapse of the bronze age i picked it because um we haven't done something ancient yet and this would be something like fun it's something mysterious there's a bit of mystery there's a bit of tragedy we cried we laughed uh, and we got to meet one of the most enigmatic tribes that came from the sea could it be aliens we don't know yeah so that was today's episode i hope you all enjoyed it we might have one more episode before the year's end hopefully if we could get some our notes together listen to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts excluding stitcher i gave up on that so we're on spotify apple google podcast deezer iHeartRadio players fm whatever you listen to your podcast we're on there also you could follow us on instagram at the convo underscore btwe twitter same handle i think tiktok we're also on the same handle and you can follow us on facebook a conversation before the world ends and drop us a comment tell us what you thought about the bronze age and do you think aliens do come from the bottom of the sea till then have a good night guys see you guys take care
Sonny, there's only one word to describe what's happening, and that is panic. 